0: Well, today we're continuing on in our series in the book of John. I don't know if you can tell, but I I love the book of John. I just love it. As we've been able to unpack more and more and more of the scriptures, we get to see more of the life of Jesus, more of the teachings of Jesus, digging into how we are to live the gospel life as we talked about last week. This week we're going to be talking about how we are to develop a deeper faith, how we're to develop. A deeper faith. Let me begin by telling you a story of how God challenged my faith several times, uh, many times where I wanted to just throw in the towel. I don't know if you've been there, but I've definitely been there, where I just want to throw it all in. Early on, when we first uh, planted the church at the University of Pittsburgh, we did what business terms would be called a soft launch, and in church planning terms, it's called a preview service. And so we would do a preview service the first month, the second month, and the third month. It would only be once a month. And so we, we promoted this preview service. We went out on campus. We canvassed campus with all kinds of different uh, handouts, and we fed people. We called it Rita's and Pitas, where we handed out chicken pitas, and we handed out vegetarian pitas, and we handed out Rita's ice. I mean, what else could you want? And so we got really excited about our first preview service, and I was pumped up. I was ready to go. I'm a highly energetic person, but that Sunday was just anticipatory, and I was like, yeah, all right, guys, and, and we had a, a worship person, and we had three leadership team members, and my wife, and, and, and uh, just myself, we were so excited and ready to go. Well, we started at 11 o'clock, and by about 11 o'clock, we had eight people. Well, I was out by the door just looking longingly outside, waiting for more to just start rushing in because college students are late, young adults are late, you know, grad students, wherever, they're all, they're late people sometimes, but not today, not that day. We, We waited and we prayed and we waited and we saw only eight people that first preview Sunday. Well, we had an auditorium that could fit about 200 people. So you can imagine how weird it felt in that moment. Well, I was about ready to be done. I thought, well, all those efforts, all those things that we just did, this is this is just gonna be useless. We'll try the other preview services and it's just whatever. But thankfully I had a wonderful bride who was telling me, No, 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 let's keep the faith, let's let's keep going after this. This is what God has called us to, let's continue. And we persevered, and we pushed through. We had the preview services, and then we decided that we're going to launch the weekly services. And when we did that, we saw about 25 people come out to that service. And those 25 people remained and stayed, and the church grew, and the church grew, and people came to know Jesus. And we were able to baptize people. And it was in those moments where my faith was really tested Because you see this small thing happen with all of the huge efforts that you're putting into something, where you your blood, sweat, and tears, and you felt like God called you to it. And when it doesn't happen the way you expected, there's this testing of our faith, a frustration that happens in our faith. And we're going to see testing, and we're going to see circumstances that test faith in this specific passage. Because the storms of life can challenge our faith. They can hinder our faith, but we need to keep going. Faith isn't easy to maintain, but my friends, circumstances can be used as thermometers for our faith. We can have those thermometers of our faith during those circumstances. Where are we at in our faith? I had weak faith when we were planting that church. Eight people showed up. Man, my faith was all a wreck. I was a mess. Circumstances can challenge Our faith circumstances can allow us to see where our faith is. And so if the storms of life can crush our faith sometimes, if these issues of circumstance can test our faith, how do we develop deeper faith? How can you and I develop a deeper faith where we are anchored more in these areas of of life where storms come, or circumstances can be overwhelming? And that's the question I believe that this passage answers for us today. How do we develop deeper faith? Now, this is a well-known story. You might say, well, I've heard this story before. I know everything that's in the story, front and back. Well, I hope that the Holy Spirit shares something new for you this morning, and for me as well. So if you would turn with me to John chapter 6, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 21, where we see the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I believe it's gonna be on the screen as well. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. And here is the story. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And another familiar passage of Scripture is verses 16 through 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the Sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Wow, these stories, they're so well known. But I believe that we can answer the question, how do we deepen our faith? How do we develop A deeper faith. Jesus had just got done talking about his life and who he is, and he talked about how he is God to the Pharisees, and they were upset and frustrated, but he was still doing all kinds of miraculous things. If you notice, he didn't stop doing miraculous things. People were still following him because of the miracles that he had been doing. And here we see Jesus alone with his disciples. Imagine, he went all the way across to the other side because he wanted to be alone. He wanted to be alone with his disciples, but then a huge crowd follows him anyways. I mean, if you want to go be alone and about 20,000 people follow you, would you be excited and ready to feed them? I'd like, leave me alone. I just want to get alone with my disciples and teach them. But here, this crowd of over 20,000 people, and it says 5,000 men, right? It doesn't say 5,000 people. So you must recognize that only men were counted, but they had their wives and their children with them as well. So this is close to, if not over, 20,000 people. It's a mob. They're coming after him. They want to they see more things happen in, their li- in the lives of Jesus and their own lives. And what's interesting about this specific passage is that it gives a specific reason why they're following him. It says, because they saw the, the signs he was doing on the sick. He, well, this, what he was doing on the sick. And so I think the first thing that we can see again from this passage about how we are to develop a deeper faith is to recognize that Jesus is not a maid, he's a monarch. Now you might say, I recognize that before. You've said that before. Well, I have. Because it's the same type of situation that's happening. If you were to go back to uh, chapter 2, verse 23, this is where I made the same point weeks ago. That Jesus is not a maid, he is a monarch. You see these people, they wanted to see the show. They wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next. What sick person was he going to heal now? What was he going to do? And the thing that surprises me about this passage is it already says that Jesus knows what he was going to do when he tests Philip, and we'll get there in a moment. But Jesus knew what he was going to do. He knew why those people were there. Why in the world would he do something so audacious and so crazy and so miraculous if he already knew their hearts? I can't can't fathom the answer to that question. It's difficult for me. I'd be saying, well, stop following me. Leave me alone. And in a couple weeks, we'll see the answer to that question, I believe, when we look at what happened to the disbursement of the people. But you see, Jesus is not our maid. He is not there to clean up our mess. He is not there to do our bidding. He is not there to be our servant. Jesus is not there to put on a show for you and for me. Jesus is not entertainment. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our king. He is not a maid. He is our monarch. And I think many times we can come to prayer and and ask Jesus to be the genie in the bottle, to fix everything, to do everything, to do anything that we want. And it's our will that we're praying rather than the will of God. But we need to remember that He is not our maid. He is, in fact, our monarch. If we are going to allow the Holy Spirit to develop deeper faith within us, we've got to get over ourselves and recognize it's about Him and not about us. That's something that we've consistently talked about in this series on the book of John, and it's just repetitive because we've got to get it through our skulls that life is not about us and our desires. It's about him and his desires. We can develop deeper faith when we recognize that. You see, the Greek word here for follow is, uh, (coughs) excuse me, akalatheo, which means to come behind. Akilotheo, which means to come to behind. You might have recognized that word when we talked about it when the early disciples followed Jesus himself, that they came behind him, that they wanted to follow him to see where he was going. But John specifically gives a, a, a clause in there to recognize why these people were following Jesus. They were coming behind him to see what he would do next. They were not coming behind him as the disciples were to know him more. The goal of our coming behind and following Jesus in order to deepen our faith is to be there for Him and Him alone, not what He can do for us. How can we serve the King and not the man that the King serve us? It's a very important shift in our mind that we must make in order to deepen our faith. Because faith does not command God. God commands faith. Faith does not command God. There is this belief that if I just have enough faith that God will do everything for me, that if I have enough faith that he's going to get me a BMW, tomorrow I'm going to have a BMW, that if I have enough faith that I can get whatever I want in life, that God is going to answer every single prayer I have, no matter how selfish it may be, if I just have enough faith, I can command God. But listen, you and I are not in charge of God. In fact, when we say, God, I demand or command you to do this, he looks at us and says, oh, do you? That's really nice. It's like your child coming to you and saying, Dad, I demand that you give me $100. How do you fathers respond to your child when that happens? You say, well, I'll take $100 from your savings account, put it in mine, and I won't give it to you. <laughs> right? I mean, there's this sense of, of how audacious of us when we come to God, and we think that our faith commands him, that we can command God to do anything. But he commands faith, his goodness, his graciousness, his mercy, his kindness, his love, all of that commands our faith, that we should believe in him because of what he's done. When we come to the place and say, I can have faith because he is good, and he knows what he's doing. That's theology 101, by the way. God is smarter than us, and he knows what he's doing. And 102 is, I don't know. (laughs) It's very important for us to grasp that fact. He commands faith. Faith does not command God. Jesus was aware, again, why the crowd was there. And we see another aspect of how we are to, to develop deeper faith in this interaction with Philip. Man, if I were Philip and I would look back and I would read the book of John, I'd be like, why was he testing me? Really, that was a test? That's so frustrating. But the reality is this, that in order for you and I to grow in deeper faith, we need to recognize that the testing of our faith produces deeper faith. The testing of our faith produces deeper faith. He says very specifically, John reminds us, Jesus asks Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. The Greek word here is is parazo, which means to put one to the test. Jesus purposefully put Philip to the test. Now, imagine you're hanging out with Jesus, and he has this exam book, and he pulls it out, and he gives you a pop quiz on your faith. Will you be like Philip, or will you be more faithful and faith-filled than Philip? Philip. Man, sometimes I get those pop quizzes and I fall flat on my face. My faith is weaker than I had anticipated. That's why circumstances can be a thermometer for our faith because it can test it. We can see what's actually going on inside. Because if everything were smooth and coasting and everything were totally fine and nothing ever ruffled our feathers or nothing bad ever happened or our faith was never tested, we couldn't go deeper. We couldn't trust God with those things that come up. You see, one of the things that happens with the younger generation is that they think that everything needs to be happy-clappy in their faith. And when things get a little bit rocky, they walk away from their faith because they weren't taught that testing of the faith produces deeper faith. And many people in the older generation have done the same exact thing. But here, Jesus shows us specifically in this story that he was testing the faith of Philip. And that this testing brought about deeper faith in the life of Philip. If you were to go to Acts 8 and look at Philip's life, God tells Philip to go someplace and he goes that place, and all of a sudden he bumps into an Ethiopian eunuch. And God says, go and speak to him. He's reading the book of Isaiah. Go explain it to him. And he's like, well, I don't know why, but I'm going to go do it because I'm going to have faith that God is up to something. And he speaks to this Ethiopian eunuch and he explains the totality of the gospel. And he says, everything you're reading points to Jesus. And this Ethiopian eunuch is like, Jesus, I want him. Yes, I'm, I'm, that's it, I'm done. I'm saved. And he baptize me because I believe in this. And he goes and he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch. And then we see the spread of the gospel that much farther. Because that Ethiopian eunuch goes back to Ethiopia. And he's the first evangelist in Africa. Woo! Because of someone's faith. And then the crazy story about, Matthew, uh, excuse me, about Acts 8 is that all of a sudden Philip disappears and he goes somewhere else. That takes a lot of faith to trust God is going to do what he wants to do with your life. And he was a faith-filled man. Why? Because he walked through the beauty of this test. And it produced a deeper faith in his life. Kossenberger, one of the, my favorite commentaries, commentators on the book of John, says, Jesus' question questions serves to test Philip to gauge his response as a follower of the Messiah. When Jesus tests our faith, when our faith is tested, what's the gauge going to read on our following of the Messiah? Will we slow down our walk towards him? Will we increase our walk towards him? Or will we just walk away? It's an interesting, interesting reality. Rob Reamer states, There are works of the kingdom of God, that God wants to accomplish on this planet that cannot be accomplished unless the people of God develop deeper faith. There are things that God wants to do in and through you and I where he commands our faith to go deeper, to strengthen our faith to go deeper, to trust him with more and more and more and more so he can do greater things in and through us. But God's going to step back and he's going to wait for us to develop that faith. Because if he calls us to do something and we don't go and do it, well, man, that's disobedience. But he's going to challenge us and test us in those smaller areas and then those tests will get bigger and harder. And our faith will grow, and we will become deeper, faith-filled believers. Another commentator said, Faith is not known to be what it is unless it is tested by suffering. Unless it is tested by suffering. We see this in the book of James. We see this in the book of 1 Peter, where these, these authors, breathed into by the Holy Spirit, talk about the joy of suffering. Because the suffering grows our faith. Our faith is grown deeper, developed deeper through those times of testing. Another thing that you and I need to recognize about how to develop deeper faith is that no barrier can block the work of Jesus. Amen. Amen. No barrier can block the work of Jesus. When Philip looked at this, when Jesus asked him the question... Philip answered back in a monetary, physical answer. He said, there's not enough money. We could work for days and months and years, and we still would not have earned enough money to feed these people. Jesus, this is impossible. He looked at the crowd, and he felt like it could never happen, that they could never be fed. Why would Jesus even ask that question about people being fed? This is a crazy, audacious question, Jesus. This barrier cannot be broken down. And then Jesus did something crazy, we know the end of the story, where he uses those loaves and those fishes to feed them all. He fed every single person. And he proved to Philip, and he proved to Andrew, and he proved to the little boy who gave him his meal that there are no barriers that can block the work of Jesus. The enemy of our souls wants us to believe that there are barriers that Jesus cannot break through. He wants to lie and manipulate us into being faithless when God is calling us to be faith-filled and faithful. Because the barriers can look so big and the barriers can look so daunting. But there is no barrier that Jesus cannot break down. Because He is God. God can do whatever He wants to do. Whatever He wants to do. And so if there is a will that he has to move forward, he will move forward. There is no barrier that can break down the work of Jesus. No barrier. None at all. You see, Andrew came to Jesus. He, too, had a little bit of faith, but not a whole lot. He comes and he's like, hey, I have this food. This little guy has food. He has his lunch with him, five barley loaves and two fish not sure it means anything or is going to do anything, but here you go. He hands it over. He was a little bit more faith-filled than, than Philip was. Even this little boy had, was exercising faith. He saw the, the issue that was going on, and he comes to Jesus and says, you know, here, here's, my, here's my food. He comes to Andrew, rather, and Andrew brings him. If you notice, in the book of John, anytime time we see Andrew, he's bringing someone to Jesus. That's pretty cool. Andrew's got an awesome testimony of bringing people to Jesus in the book of John. And so when we look at the faith of this little boy, and we look at the the meager faith of Andrew, we can see that Jesus can take meager faith and produce massive results. Jesus can take meager faith and make massive results out of that faith. We just have to take that first step. We have to believe and step in faith and say, okay, Jesus is calling me to this thing. It looks like it's a crazy barrier that could never be broken down. It looks kind of insane. This step of faith, people will look at me and think I've gone bananas. But even the little faith I have, I'm just gonna step out. Andrew's faith was so weak, he said, here's some stuff, I don't know if you can do anything with it. And sometimes that's all we need to do with our own lives. We could say, hey Jesus, here's some stuff, I don't know if you can do anything with it. And he'll say, oh, I can do something with that. I can do a whole lot with that. I can do tons with that. You don't even know what I can do with that. And so even meager faith, Jesus can take and make massive results. One of the most important things that many people miss in this passage is John highlights specifically the issue that these loaves were barley loaves. Why in the world would John focus on how the bread was made or what the bread was made with? Here's why. Because barley bread was for the poor. Barley bread did not taste as good. It was cheaper to make and they could make more of it and they could cake it up and it would be a cheaper option than regular bread. So why would John highlight this idea of barley loaves coming from this young man? probably because this is all this, this young man had. It could have been his whole week's meal. He probably could have munched on it for a long time because barley does kind of fill you up in your belly. But a young man filled in a life of poverty still brought his lunch to Jesus. To me, John is saying, none of us have an excuse to bring what we have to Jesus. And it's not monetary. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about ourselves. When we say, oh, God could never use me. I just, I have too little faith. I'm not, I, I'm not good enough, and, or whatever it is that we believe about ourselves. We talked about identity last week. He can use anyone, at any moment, in any time. This boy lives on forever in the Bible. Because of his meager little faith that a poor young man brought his entire meal to Jesus. Are we bringing what we have? Even if we don't think it's enough. Even if we don't think it's a lot. Because when we do, we move in faith. We deepen our faith because God will make massive results out of our meager faith. Which brings me to the next point is that stepping out in faith increases our faith. Stepping out in faith increases our faith. I can't imagine what this did for this young man in his life, where he saw his lunch feed 20,000 people. Imagine if you have a bologna sandwich, and you have some Doritos in your lunch bag, and you bring them to Jesus, and he makes thousands of bologna sandwiches, and tons of bags of Doritos. I think you'd be blown away. You'd be like, wow, that's a lot of baloney. How'd you, how'd you get all that baloney? And that's crazy. We look at this story, and I think sometimes we're like, oh yeah, he made food for 20,000 people. It's in the Bible. I've read that thousands of times. It needs to blow your mind every time you read it. Put it in, t- in the context of your own life. Put it in the context of the baloney sandwich. Randomly showing up, there was so much left over that they had to have baskets to fill the rest of the barley loaves in. It's a crazy story. It's crazy miraculous. It is probably the second or third most miraculous thing that Jesus ever did while he lived. A powerful testament to the power of God. We need to step out in faith. Let me challenge you, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about areas of your life where you need to step out in faith, go for it. Do it. Obey the Holy Spirit and step out in faith. And be blown away by what He's going to do. I can guarantee that he's going to do something when we step out in faith because we look at the stories of all of the disciples who were whiny little babies crying and hiding in a room, but then when the resurrection happened, everything changed for them. They became bold, strong, powerfully speaking men. They were fishermen. They shocked people with their theological depth and understanding because it came from the Holy Spirit and they stepped out in faith. God is calling us to step out in faith as individuals, as a church, to fulfill the mission and the vision that he has given us to proclaim the gospel, to be a refuge, and to restore broken relationships with others and with God. Man, God is calling us to step out in faith, and he's calling you specifically to step out in faith. Go after those areas. Do not neglect the call of the Lord to step out in faith. Another interesting thing about developing deeper faith happens like that in this story. And many people might miss it. I know many times when I read this book, I kind of took it for granted. this specific passage, I took it for granted. But here it says this, Jesus took the loaves, this is verse 11. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. Here's the point. Giving thanks before anything has been altered amplifies faith. It is really hard to give thanks when nothing has happened yet. It's like coming to the dinner table and it's empty and you say, thank you God for all the food that you've provided. It's that stark, it's that hard to grasp. But here, Jesus, before anything happened, even though he knew what was going to happen, even though he had a visual of what was going to happen, nobody else saw. All they saw was him holding up five barley loaves and two fish and saying, thank you, God, for feeding everybody. You would probably look at him and say, are you crazy? What, nothing's happened. That's your lunch. That'll feed your belly and maybe a couple of your disciples. But really, you're giving thanks for What? Because his faith was deep and he was trying to teach us and the disciples a lesson. That when we give thanks before he has done anything, it amplifies our faith because he will show up and he will do it. He will do what he said he will do. When we step out in faith, we increase our faith. But when we give thanks before anything has been altered or changed or happened, when God shows up, it amplifies our faith. And we're going to be given thanks for incredible things that God has not yet done. One of the things I want to challenge us to thank God for is the people that are going to find Jesus in our building, in this church, among our people. As you interact with them outside of this place, as you interact with them, we're thanking God already for how we're going to proclaim the gospel with our lives and with our mouths. We're thanking God already that He is going to bring people to Himself, that He's going to draw people to be baptized, to become members, more babies to be dedicated. We need to give thanks for those things even though they haven't happened yet because God wants to do that. God desires to see His church grow. And it's not just about people coming here. It's about people knowing Him. Giving thanks before anything is altered amplifies our faith, and Jesus displayed that. The other point about deepening our faith as we grow and develop deeper faith is that faith empowers us to join in the work of Jesus. Faith empowers us to join in the work of Jesus. He's asking us to step out to join Him. Now, if Jesus were here right now in person for he is here in his presence by the Holy Spirit. But if he were to stand here in person and he'd say, I've got a job to do, I'm going to do something, will you come with me? I hope that you would say, yeah, let's go. Let's join in the work. You see, but you and I already have that option. He's saying, will you step out in faith? Will you go where I tell you to go and do what I've asked you to do? Will you follow even though you don't know where you're going? Will you give thanks even though I've not done anything yet? And when we say yes to that, we join him in that work. Andrew brought this meal to Jesus. This poor young boy brought this meal to Jesus. And they got to join in one of the most miraculous works of the kingdom while Jesus was on the planet. They got to join him in that. As they were passing out the bread, they're like, where is this coming from? What is going on? I'm a part of this historical moment. I mean, think of all the historically great moments in our nation or in the world. Wouldn't you want to be there to be a part of it? I know sometimes I watch those those war movies of Roman soldiers. I'm like, man, I wish I was a soldier to see this win, to be there to celebrate. And then I realized, no, (laughs) I probably wouldn't be able to be a good soldier anyways. (laughs) But the reality is, is that we can join in Him in historical things. Listen, I, I was talking with a pastor, and uh, he was he was laying down in his bed. He wasn't feeling very well, and I, I I said, "Can I pray for you?" And he said, "Before you do, I want to say something." He said, "I really am blessed by by you and your your investment in my life." I'm little. I'm a young guy. I don't know what he's talking about, but he's thanking me for that. And he said, "You're going to be preaching." In the end times. He's like, you're going to deal with people that don't want to believe in Jesus. He's like, I pray for you. And why do I share that? Because things are going to get difficult. I believe that. As believers. But we are going to join him in some of the most impactful historical realities in our world. We say, look at our nation, look at our world. Everything is collapsing in upon itself. It is so messed up and crazy. Yeah, it is. But you and I have a part to play as warriors in the kingdom to join God in the most historical defeat of the enemy. Will we? Will we step out in faith and join Him to conquer this world for His name, for His glory, through His love? Faith empowers us to join the work of Jesus. Finally, as we look at the story of Jesus walking on water, we can see that focusing on our current situation can easily stymie our faith. Focusing on our current situation can easily stymie our faith. Now listen, these disciples, they had just gotten done watching Jesus feed over 20,000 people with very meager food. They had just seen him do incredible things, and they left Jesus to be by himself, and they left. They were waiting for him. It's like, it's dark. We got to get going. So they hop in the boat, and as soon as they get in the boat, the storm happens. Things go crazy and wild around them. Things are going bananas around them. I like that phrase, bananas, by the way. You probably noticed that. Things are just going chaotic They left Jesus on on his own. They thought he might just walk around in the morning. Well, all of a sudden, in the midst of the storm, they see this person walking on water. Now, I know that I'm probably like them. I'd freak out a little bit, like, what is going on? We're all going to die. Are we already dead? What's happening? But then Jesus, he says, hey, don't be afraid. It's me. Had they not focused on the storm or their circumstance, they would have immediately seen Jesus in the midst of it. How often do you and I take our eyes off of Jesus because of the storm? How often do we allow our circumstances to dictate our faith? Here the disciples, again, failed in this moment. But don't laugh at them too much because you and I, we do the same thing that they do. We might see God do something incredible and say, yes, I'm on fire. I'll always live with faith. And then the next week something happens, you're like, where are you? Our faith gets weakened. So we got to focus on Jesus, not our circumstances, because our circumstances can, in fact, stymie our faith. My friends, Jesus desires for our faith to be deepened. Jesus desires for you and I to impact the kingdom of this world, destroying the enemy's kingdom. He wants us to join him in building his kingdom here to see his name made great, to see the fame of Jesus all across the world as we love and we proclaim the gospel of the love of God who died for our sins and rose again to prove that he is the one. Will we deepen our faith? We have a part to play in the deepening Of our faith? Will we step out in faith? Will we trust Him with everything? Will we recognize that there are no barriers? There are no storms? There are no circumstances that can hinder the work of the Lord? I pray that we can, and that together as individuals and as a church, we will step out in faith and see God do incredible things by empowered believers filled with faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you that you love me. I know I don't deserve it. I know that my faith falters. I know that I allow circumstances and storms in my life to hinder and stymie my faith. God, I pray right now that we will join in the work of the kingdom as faith-filled believers. That we won't allow the enemy to lie or the storms in our life to lie about our ability to move forward in faith. May we be people who step out in faith. Holy Spirit of the living God, deepen our faith.